It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder. Your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast From Network. the studios of 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G., welcoming you to another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. Coming up on today's show, we have another Andre Robertson update, thanks to our good friend Clay Horning of the Norman Transcript and Eric Horn of The Athletics, so we'll tell you what Clay Horning tweeted out. We'll tell you what Eric tweeted out, and I'll give you my opinion on all of it. We've also talked a lot about how Andre Robertson fits with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Well, there are some other players that I'm not sure how they fit in either, and I'll tell you why they're worth watching when it comes to the trade deadline. We'll talk about CP3's will to win. We'll talk about the upcoming game with the Utah Jazz, and I'll tell you why the NBA is going too far with its zero-tolerance policy. All that coming up on today's show. I'm Eric G., editor-in-chief of Thunder Maven. It's a Sports Illustrated channel dedicated to covering all things Oklahoma City Thunder. Follow me at Thunder Maven, so some shameless self-promotion there. I am also the co-host of the Pat Jones Show, and you can hear that every weekday from 11 to 2 on 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thanks to our good friend Clay Horning of the Norman Transcript for tweeting out the video of Andre Robertson and Steven Adams working out today. If you haven't seen it, follow us at Thunder Maven. We have retweeted it. I guess you can also follow Clay Horning. Um, he would be appreciative of that. But, it, but in the video, you see Andre Robertson driving to the basket on Steven Adams. Adams kind of loses him. Dre misses a layup, but ultimately it didn't look like Steven Adams was going that hard. It didn't even really look like Dre was going that hard. So um, when I hear that Dre is going through practices with no restrictions, and then I see video like that, I'm still pretty skeptical of Dre getting back on the floor anytime soon. And Eric Horn tweeted out today that, Andre Robertson and the medical staff are continuing to talk, and it's coming down to a game-time decision if whether or not Andre Robertson can go against the Utah Jazz. And it just leads me back to what I said yesterday, which is this. 
and somehow you missed yesterday's episode and you're you're just now listening to today's or Monday's, as it were, is that I'm not convinced that it's the Thunder training staff keeping Andre Robertson off the court. I am beginning to think that it's Andre Robertson keeping himself off the court. And that's me just reading between the lines of what Billy Donovan is saying about athletes knowing their body better. Sam Presti saying it's a process. Dre refusing to put a percentage or give us a target date for his return and being very vague when he says soon. Because remember, soon can mean anything. All right? The the, the word soon, I, I never take people at face value when they say they're going to do something soon. And I just think with 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 Andre Robertson suffering a career-altering injury the way that was a couple of years ago and the setbacks and the emergence of Terrence Ferguson, etc. I just, I don't know how. I, I just, I, I'm not convinced that the Thunder medical staff has come. Nah, he's still not 100%. I think it's Dre telling the Thunder the, the Thunder Medical staff, I'm not 100%, and it's much more mental than physical. And if that is the case, then Billy Donovan, the rest of the team, the medical staff, whoever, has got a lot of deprogramming to do. And they're going to have got a long way to go in getting Dre confident in his body so he can get back on the floor. And I'm not sure you can ever really do that. I almost feel that when guys are when guys have gone down this road and mentally they've taken themselves out of something or they're a little bit scared to try something physical, there's not a whole lot you can do as a medical staff to really help them get back on the floor. You can tell them they're 100%. You can show them all the test results. But if they're just not feeling it, either when they step on the court or when they think about what could possibly happen, then at that point you've lost the battle. And, and, and if a guy is feeling that way, then his career is over. He's he's already got to that point where he's thinking about retirement or he's thinking his career's over, and there's nothing you can do to correct that. And even if Andre Robertson does get back on the floor, as we've talked about ad nauseum here on this show, where exactly does he fit in? Well, the good news for Andre Robertson is he's really not the only guy that we have to think about in those terms. Because where does Deontay Burton fit in with this team? What do you do with him in the rotation? Now, the Thunder did give him a two-year contract, but it's worth noting that that second year, which is next year, is a team option. So in a way, you could consider that an expiring contract, which I think makes him a much more valuable asset to trade to some team that would look to take him on and then possibly just jettison him because you don't have to pay all that much. I mean, what do you do with a guy that has guard size but yet defends like a Ford and offensively isn't near as good as some of the other guys you can put in that position? Uh, You've got a Mike Muscala. You've got a Darius Baisley. Hamadou Diallo is a guy that you drafted and seemed to be invested in him as far as his development goes. There's a Terrence Ferguson. Essentially what this guy is and is a guy that's going to come in when you play back-to-back, so you play three and four. The first of which happens to come up, the first back-to-back that the Thunder will play will be after this past Sunday. So Sunday, when the Thunder play Golden State, they'll play Houston back-to-back. That's kind of what I expect to see a guy like Deontay Burton get minutes. I don't expect him to see him get 
minutes with any regularity or during a regular schedule. I'm feeling the same way about Abdul Nader. It's just there's too many guys on this team that play their positions and can do things better than they can do that you're just kind of stuck with them. And if you're Sam Presti, they have got to be guys that when you are going through all your possible scenarios with teams about guys you can give them, guys that you're not willing to trade, they've got to be guys that you put up front and center in any trade deal. And the big thing that you're selling this team on is, hey, look, it's a team option after this year. You don't necessarily, you don't have to pick it up whatsoever. Take them on, get rid of them, call it good, and and that's all you have to do with. But it's when I think about this roster and I think about some of the weird moves that Sam Presti has made, there's part of me that thinks that there's a weird roster but there's also part of me that thinks that this is the most intriguing roster that the Oklahoma City Thunder has ever had because three point guards. Who carries three point guards on a team, let alone three guys that can work really well really well together on the floor the way that these guys can and generate a very interesting small lineup. It's an interesting roster in the fact that you've got a lot of developing guys, but there is enough veteran leadership there that they should be able to they should be able to help bring these younger players along a little bit faster than maybe what they normally would but ultimately when i look at this roster i i see a team that at best guess is going to make the playoffs but probably not if people get traded and i know that's nothing new that that you haven't heard before but it is just that it's all guesswork with this team there's not a whole lot we can say with absolute certainty, other than we think that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a, a budding all-star. that That's what you can say with certainty here. Um, you can say with certainty that Steven Adams is going to be a, a bigger part of the offense, but other than that, you're kind of stuck, and you do have guys that you're going to need to find new homes for before the end of the year because it's not giving you much in Oklahoma City. Abdul Nader, Deontay Burton fall into that category. And I'm kind of interested to watch how these guys who happen to be on two-way contracts, much like Deontay Burton was, continue to develop and whether or not they can they can be good enough to make holes on the roster and make Sam Preston go, you know what? I'm going to give that guy a full NBA contract. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next here on Locked on Thunder, will Chris Paul's will to win – Slow down the Thunder's rebuilding process? I'll tell you why not so much coming up here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off of a total purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the promo code LOCKEDON at Indochino.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Thank you for listening to the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Eric G. Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman had another great column today. Of course, that's all Barry Trammell writes is pretty much great columns, so check it out at uh, newsok.com. But Barry was writing a column today or wrote a column today essentially saying that the, the Thunder's rebuild process will suffer because Chris Paul won't allow the Thunder to be bad. Thus, essentially, the Thunder will be drafting later. Therefore, you can't get good enough draft picks to continue to rebuild. All right. Um, That's not going to happen. That is just not going to happen. Look, I'm not saying that Chris Paul doesn't have a will to win. I'm not saying that Chris Paul won't help the Thunder compete for a playoff spot and possibly get into the playoffs if he sticks around all year long. While Why I will say that it will not slow down the rebuilding process is because you've got two really good franchise players. Okay, I'm kind of going out on a limb here by saying this, but I I believe in Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Darius Baisley. Those guys are franchise builders, and you've already got your blocks in place, or you've already got the beginnings of a core in place for Oklahoma City. If Shea Gilgis-Alexander continues to develop the way that we saw him in the in the preseason, remember, this guy is a budding all-star. If he continues to develop the way he is in the preseason, you will be able to find guys in free agency who want to come play with Shea Gilgis-Alexander despite the issues that you have here in Oklahoma City. There will be people that you can put around him. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to be high-level free agents, but I think there are guys that would want to be part of this. Plus, you've still got him on a rookie deal. You've got him for a couple of seasons. Darius Baisley is going to continue to get better. He's another guy that falls into that category. And then it's just a matter of surrounding these guys with the right kind of talent to make them playoff contenders or to put them in position to go further in the playoffs than what you've done the past few years. And with all the other pieces that you have, and Chris Paul may figure into this because we keep thinking draft picks, well, maybe it's not necessarily a draft pick that you're looking for by the end of the season. If you see that SGA and Baisley have developed and Steven Adams continues to improve, you don't necessarily need to trade a guy like Steve Adams if he's improving because you've already got him under contract as well, all you might need to do is add a couple of veteran players, some guys that you can get through trades, and then next thing you know, you're you're a playoff contending team. I don't think that that is too far out of the question when it comes to when it comes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I really don't. It's just a matter of getting these guys in position to One, be able to execute on a night-in, night-out basis. And the biggest problem with Darius Baisley this season is going to be consistency. You will see him roller coaster all year long. But if Darius Baisley can be consistent, if Baisley can be consistent and Gilgis Alexander can develop, you've got some really good pieces. Plus, there's Terrence Ferguson. So, I look, I'm usually not a glass-is-half-full kind of guy. I kind of, I try and balance it out. But not not to be a homer about all this, but I do believe that there are the makings of a good young core on this team, and it's really up to Sam Presti and Billy Donovan 
to just figure out a way to not only develop that talent, but ultimately flesh it out with the roster positions that you have. Now, tomorrow night, very interesting game for Oklahoma City as they begin the season because as I have predicted earlier in the year, you might be looking at the future Western Conference champions in the Utah Jazz. No, I haven't backed off that yet. And I'll make one more prediction on the Western Conference and the Thunder win total coming up on Wednesday's podcast. But what intrigues me about tomorrow is assuming that the Thunder starting lineup will consist of CP3, SGA, Terrence Ferguson, Danilo Gallinari, and Steven Adams, I would think that at that point you will just guard position on position. That, that That's what you'll play tomorrow. Unless, for some reason, Donovan Mitchell is just too hard for Gilgis Alexander to handle, and then I would figure that you would switch at times. And look, at times, I would think that you're going to have Terrence Ferguson on... I would think that you would have Terrence Ferguson on Donovan Mitchell at times as well. What I don't want to see tomorrow, but inevitably I'm afraid we will see is that you'll be able to get some switches on the Thunder and Steven Adams ends up guarding a guy like Donovan Mitchell or ends up out on the wing. The other thing about tomorrow that always intrigues me is Rudy Gobert versus Steven Adams, but becomes more intriguing tomorrow as Steven Adams becomes a little bit more of a focal point for this offense or comes more of a focal point for the Thunder offense is just how, how much difficult, how much... How difficult can Steven Adams make Rudy Gobert's life? That's what I'm trying to say. There it is. Can Steven Adams actually score on Rudy Gobert? Forget defending him, but can Adams score on him? Can Adams actually get – can we have a three-guard lineup where Steven Adams stretches Gobert or somebody else out on the wing and him hit a three? I'm not banking on it, but I would like to see Steven Adams get as many shots at the rim as he possibly could. More importantly with Steven Adams – If he gets fouled, can he actually go to the free throw line and sink those shots like we saw him do at the beginning of this preseason? This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, I'll tell you why the NBA went too far, too far with their zero tolerance policy. It's all right here on the Locked on Thunder podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Eric G, and the NBA has some PR nightmares on their hands right now. And not just China, but this new zero-tolerance policy that they have enacted and made the language more stringent for fans, things that you cannot say to players, will eventually come back to haunt them. Um, one, here's here's the problem. Here's the overall problem I have with this zero-tolerance policy that the NBA is enacting. Um, You can't legislate human decency. People either know how to be decent or they don't know how to be decent. And I think it's very sad that the NBA had to come to a point where they were saying, all right, fans keep acting like a-holes or certain fans, not all, but certain fans keep acting like a-holes, so we have to figure out a way to ban them from the arena. 
that's sad. It, 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 and I get it. it. It is somewhat of a reflection of society, although I feel like it's low-hanging fruit to blame it on our commander-in-chief to say, well, if he's going to tweet out stuff and he's going to call people names, then everybody's just going to kind of feel like they can do the same. I don't necessarily blame the president as much as I blame my profession, uh, in particularly my job being a talk show host, because, look, the louder you are, um, sometimes the more edgy you are. I don't want to say outrageous, but sometimes the more edgy you are in things that you will say will garner attention, which gets ratings, which brings in revenue. And I do believe that in a lot of respects, people want to be talk show hosts. So instead of exercising common sense, when they're sitting in a game, they decide, well, I'm just going to say this to this player because there's going to be no repercussions. Well, now there are repercussions. And I do agree with the NBA that you shouldn't be using any sexist language or language that insults the LBGTQ community or somebody's race. Um, You shouldn't be talking about anybody's wife, anybody's kids, anybody's mother, But that should really just be common sense. It shouldn't be something that the NBA has to tell you. The problem I had is when they said, well, you can't talk about test scores. Well, all right, I'm sorry. But if you made a 13 on your ACT like I did, that's fair game. That's fair game for the fans to come after you because as a player, all you have to do is A, show them your jersey, B, point to the scoreboard, especially if your team's winning, Or C, just say to them, yeah, I may have bombed my ACT like Eric G did with that 13 he got, but dude, I'm still in the NBA and I'm richer than you are and I'm making a lot more money. Then you just drop the mic and go on. Where the NBA is really screwing up here is they've overreacted to a few people who don't know how how to be good humans. So what you're doing is you're discouraging, not encouraging interaction with the players and the fans. And you need to be encouraging that. First and foremost, look, I mean, how much do we love it when Spike Lee and Reggie Miller got into it? Or it's Drake and somebody else. Yeah, sorry about the old reference. Go Drake or somebody else. No, that's good. That's good, solid entertainment. It's great for the sport, and it makes it a lot of fun to watch. And think about this. If you pay an exorbitant amount of money to sit in those seats, all right, and you can have, and, and let me make this crystal clear, good-natured ribbing between fan and a player, like on another team. Like, if you can have a good-natured interaction with, say, um, who would actually be up for that in the NBA? Let's just say Donovan Mitchell, okay? You and Donovan Mitchell can kind of go can kind of go back and forth. Or you went to one school, somebody else went to another, and y'all can kind of go back and forth. That makes your experience that much better, okay? It doesn't have to get hateful the way that, that the NBA is talking about. It doesn't have to get hateful. But if it can be fun, that's great because trash talk is a part of sports, and the NBA should not be trying to take trash talk out of the game. And really what the NBA has got to do is put the onus back on the fans to just realize, hey, this is – this is taunt. Okay, this is acceptable taunting. This is not. You should know the difference. And I hate the fact that the NBA is, one, legislating this, but two, when you put something like test scores in, I'm sorry, but Derrick Rose may not have taken his ACT. may have had somebody take it for him or his SAT when he went to Memphis. That's fair game. 
I'm sorry, that's that's fair game when you're going after someone. Again, race, family, wives, mothers, all that, not fair game. Sexuality is not fair game. But there are certain things that, that are that are completely fair game. Your shoes are fair game. Okay, if you're Steph Curry and you've designed a bad shoe, that that's fair game. And I get it. Some of the shoes are meant and they are worn to honor people, but not all of them are. Some of them are just marketing ploys. You should be able to make fun of that. All right, there's my there's my soapbox for today. That wraps up this episode of Locked on Thunder. We'll be back tomorrow. Catch us on Thunder Maven as well. I'm Eric G. May God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody. Peace, love. Remember, only two more days left till season starts and Thunder up. You are Locked on Thunder. Your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.